Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. Today I'm going to talk a couple of minutes on the theme, When a Storm Comes. And why not? It's very apropos. Very apropos to the season. Because a storm did come. So Matthew, Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. After he had ministered to the people, um, verse 23 says, Jesus got into the boat. His followers followed him. And at once, say at once. See, that means that this was something sudden. It was not something that they knew was going to happen. At once, a bad storm came over the lake. Over here it says suddenly. See, suddenly means they weren't ready for it. A great tempest arose in the sea. I'm reading from another version, but that's pretty much what it's saying. The waves were covering the boat. Jesus was sleeping. While the waves were covering the boat, while there was a great tempest, Jesus was sleeping. Now, I don't know about you and me, but when we're going through a crisis, sometimes it's hard to sleep. Yeah. Something was such a peace within Jesus that he was sleeping. Amazing. He was sleeping. So the followers weren't sleeping. They were wide awake. And they were very aware of their surroundings, of their circumstances. And they said to him, help us, Lord, or we will die. I mean, it was at the point that they were so afraid that they thought they were going to die. So they immediately called him and says, Jesus, if you don't help us. Now, I don't know what they thought that he was going to be able to do. I mean, he didn't have anything in his hands. He, you know, he didn't have a radio to call another boat. You know, there, there is a certain portion of the military that will come and help you if you get in trouble in the sea. The Coast Guard. There was no Coast Guard in that day. The Nazareth Coast Guard didn't exist. So he said to them, why were you afraid? You have so little faith. Why were you afraid? He didn't say, you know, I understand. It's a storm. It's scary. It's freaky out there. It's not something you're used to. He said, what's the matter with you guys? But what they didn't get at the moment was before he went out with them. He says, we're going to the other side. Amen. And what he, was, in essence, was saying to them, you don't understand, when I command something, yes. it's going to happen. Yes. If I give you my word, you can walk on my word. Yes. If I give you my word, struggles might come, problems might come, issues might come, but my word will take you to the other side. Yes. He says, why were you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he stood up. He spoke sharp words to the wind and the waves. Then the wind stopped blowing. Then men, or rather the men were surprised and they wondered about it. They said, what kind of man is he? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Praise God. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your kindness, your love, and your tender mercies. And today, Lord God, we remember your word. And Father, as we live in this body, as we live in this flesh, we go through so many emotions throughout life, through many, so many challenges, all the crises we go through, the difficult times. Life is indeed very difficult. But I thank you that you promised to us that you'd never leave us nor forsake us. You made, us, you, you made it very clear. You did tell us that in this life 
we will suffer. In this life, we'll go through difficulties. But you said, be of good cheer. You have overcome the world. In essence, you said that you're greater than the circumstance. And you promised that you'd be with us all the way through. King David had a revelation, and he said it this way. He says, I will not fear. He said, I will not be in want. And then he said this, even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So he knew that there would be valleys where shadows, ominous shadows, will show themselves. It would make it seem that all <clears throat> that's left is death. But it was not true. It was just a shadow. So, Father, I thank you that you are with us. And I thank you for your word. Now, dear Holy Spirit, I pray that you enlighten our minds, our understanding, that we might be able to take your word in our hearts and that, that it might become a part of our life, that we might walk with you, my God, that we might walk by faith in love every day of our lives. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen and amen. You may take your seats a moment. When we talk about a storm, there are different applications to the word storm. And a storm, initially, when we think about it, it's a disturbance in the atmosphere, usually combining wind and, and water and, and many times even snow. But what caught me is that it's a disturbance in the atmosphere. And disturbances hit us all. Say to your neighbor, I had a disturbance last week. See, our peace will be disturbed from time to time. Disturbances will come to us from time to time. That is a fact. I'm not going to stand here and preach to you and say, ever since you came to Jesus, amen, God took away your problems. He wiped away every tear, and you'll never, ever suffer again. He's a good God, and he won't allow you to suffer. Don't listen to preachers like that. I don't care how nice they sound. The truth of the matter is you will suffer. You will go through difficulties. Storms come from time to time. Another thing about a storm, it could be a disturbed or agitated state. For example, a storm of emotion. It's an agitated state. It's, 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 it's a time where um, emotions get contacted and ruffled. It's a time where you have to be very aware because if you don't control your, your state in the period of an emotion, or rather of a storm, your emotion could go out of order. It can get so connected to the storm that it will control you, usually for the negative. From time to time, I have to deal with some issues. There are some issues that can naturally tend to try to get me into a place of anxiety, or a place of anger, or a place of worry. And if I don't think my way through that, and logically see, okay, I see that's a trigger for me. I know it's not really happening. I know my God is with me, so I'm going to refuse to allow that trigger to get me into the place of agitation. I'm, I'm going to refuse to allow that thing to get me into worry, into fear, into anger, or whatever it may be that it gets me into. But all of us have triggers. And our triggers usually come from our, our, our childhood, things that happened in the past, circumstances, past crises, issues that happened to us before. And so what will happen is your brain never forgets that. Anything that's very funny, anything that's very scary, anything that is ominous, we will tend to remember it. What most people don't know is that God gave us a brain that is amazing, but it works in certain ways. The way God created our brain to remember things is that when it's connected to great emotion, it'll create a permanent memory. 
So if you know that, you can make that work for you. If you know that, you can understand why certain things trigger you suddenly to get angry over and over and over again for the rest of your life. So since you know that, you can actually say, no, I reject that. I'm not going to get into that. It's not worth my struggle. Emotion is a very powerful thing. Say to your neighbor, emotion is very powerful. Be careful how you use it or how it uses you. In the Old Testament, God said through his prophet, he said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy is an emotion. Joy produces strength. Conversely, sadness zaps your strength. Fear zaps your strength. It paralyzes you. Any strong emotion has to do or is connected with your strength, whether to add to it or to take away from it. So since I know that, I can make my emotion work for me. I can produce joy on the spot. And I know joy is my strength. Therefore, I need to be in a place of joy. Oh, I can't, I can't tell myself when I can be happy. Uh, yes, you can. Yes, you can. And you can do it in a heartbeat. It doesn't take two weeks. You don't have to work it up for an hour to be joyful. And I often say it, and I'll repeat it again if you were not here. You're angry, you're upset, because at 2 in the morning, your friend showed up, started knocking on the door, and you needed that sleep because you just finished working a 16-hour shift. And you just got into that sweet spot, that deep sleep, and suddenly, knock, 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 knock. Who in the world? So you open up the door, and it's your friend. You know, I needed to speak to you now. I says, could it not wait till the morning? Or in Julio's favorite words, Really? <laughs> and you're angry now. Oh, you're peeved. Now you, this is guaranteed you're going to be angry for the rest of the day. They messed your sleep up. And this guy has, he, he has no wisdom. Can't you wait till the morning? And you're angry. And steam is now literally coming out of both of your ears. Blood is pouring out of your eyes. Ah. Your veins are popping. Three a second. None's going to turn this around. And suddenly he says, I couldn't wait till tomorrow. I just win the lotto, $160 million, and I want to give you $10 million of it because you're such a good friend. In an instant, the veins came down. The blood stopped flowing. The steam just shut down. Suddenly you go, mijito, mijito, ven aquí. Vamos a ver el café. Come on. Let's have a little coffee. Let's talk about this. <laughs> uh, a job, I'm calling in sick, okay? I'm not going to be in tomorrow. And suddenly you're joyful. Emotion is that quick. It's depending on the revelation that you have. And this is the problem. We get the wrong revelation. Now, these guys here, and, you know, we shouldn't criticize them because we're exactly the same way. These guys here were with the Lord and Master of all creation. They were with Jesus, the, the one who controls the wind and the waves. But yet they were still fearful. But how could that be? Jesus was with them. I would pay everything to be with him. A moment with Jesus. I'd give it all. They had it. They didn't know how to use it. 
You see? So while he's there sleeping, they should have been sleeping too. Or they had a responsibility, you know, okay, Jesus, he's still here. All right, praise God. (laughs) Oh, this is so much fun. (laughs) They should have been having a good time. They should have been enjoying it. He promised it. I don't want to hear anything. He promised we'd get to the other side. So we have his words. I don't care, you know, hey, listen, Storm, give it your best. We know we're with the king. We're the one, we're with the one that controls you. So give me some air conditioning. Come on. That's what they should have been doing. But yet they were fearing for their very lives. You know why? They didn't have the right revelation. They really didn't understand who he was. They could not understand that they had the master of all creation there. Glory to God. Hallelujah. But when he woke up out of his sweet sleep, he was tired. He had ministered all day long. He's saying, guys, please, why are you afraid I'm with you? I gave you my word. He says, why do you have so little faith? Interesting. It says they had little faith. That means if they have little faith, they could have big faith. So who here has big faith? Don't, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Just, just think about it. What is big faith and what's little? What do you refer it to? How do I know my faith is big or small? Jesus knew he was able to decipher right there that they had little faith. Faith is measured on the barometer or thermometer of crisis. So don't tell me you have great faith or little faith or good faith or bad faith, whatever it may be. Let me see you act in the middle of a crisis. The crisis would reveal the level of faith that you're operating in. But the way to change that is faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So the more you're hearing the word, you guys, on Sunday at 845 in the morning, getting here and sacrificing, the more you hear the word, the more your faith level goes up. It's almost like, you know, you're doing exercise every week, every week. And nobody sees it. Nobody knows it. You're doing exercise every week, every week. You're lifting your weights. And at a given time, you know, go to the beach or something, suddenly you take, take your shirt off. And everybody go, oh, my man is buff. <laughs> we didn't know that. The shirt's on, you know. <laughs> right? During the crisis, your shirts come off. And it either reveals your muscles, your spiritual buffness. <laughs> Or it reveals some of the, the, the excess because of a lack of prayer, because of a lack of dedication, a lack of consecration. And, and God is not afraid to allow us to come into a place of crisis. You know why? It's in the time of crisis that faith is revealed, that testimonies are revealed, that the gospel is preached. People in times of crisis look for the man of God. They look for the woman of God. Now, when you're in the midst of the crisis with others, are they looking at you and they're still afraid? Or are they looking at you and saying, just as long as he has it together, just as long as she has it together, I'm all right. Because I know they're a believer. I know they're connected to God. I know that about him. I know that about her. So just as long as he's got it together, I'm all right. I'm serious. People will look to the men and women of God so that they could be encouraged. 
Now imagine they come to you. What are you going to say, man of God? What are you going to do, woman of God? What do you mean I'm out of here, man? I can't tell you that. That's it. It's over. It's over. Absolutely over. But God is looking for a young man, a young woman that's on fire for God. And then he's going to send you into the storm. Because it's in the midst of the storm that we're going to be able to take the souls from hell and bring them back to the kingdom of God. And there are people out there that are waiting for you, man of God, waiting for you, woman of God. And guess what? You don't have to have a, a, a doctorate in divinity. You don't have to have a master's. All you need to have is the word of God and a testimony. All you have to have is strong faith. A faith that knows that he's with you in the good times and in the bad. You're in the boat, but Jesus is also in the boat. Just as long as he's in the boat, he's going to get us to the other side. I might be going through the storm now, but I'm going to get to the other side. This storm is not going to last forever, but he, his relationship with me, lasts forever. And greater is he that is in me than the storm that's outside. Hallelujah. So even though we have this, this, these disturbances, another thing a storm is, is a violent assault on a defended position. You storm the fort. A violent assault on a defended position happens many times. The enemy sometimes will come at you. And God allows him to come at you. Because God is allowing your metal to be tested. Your faith is forged in the fire. I tell my wife this often. Men are made in crisis. They're made in the difficult times. They're made when times are tough. Men and women. Praise God. If things are too easy, you become mushy, a mushy adult. But if you go through some difficult times, it makes you strong. Gives you a tough exterior and a tough interior. You're able to endure the issues of life. Man, I had a hard childhood. I ate my childhood. But yet, those very things made you a very strong man and woman. Hallelujah. Praise God. Some of these difficulties right now, you're able to endure things that the average person cannot endure. You're strong on the inside. Hallelujah. And God is making us strong because during the difficult times and difficult seasons, you're going to be mentors to others. They haven't seen anybody like you. They haven't seen a man or a woman of God. All they have heard is things on TV and things on the radio and the garbage out there. They've seen those pseudo families, those gangs out there that really don't care about you. Yet that's the only family they know. But there's a greater family, and that's the family of God. And we're also warriors. We are warriors. Hallelujah. We are warriors. Storms, we understand, they come suddenly. They don't tell you when they're coming. They come whenever they please. So we need to be ready for storm. I have a sweater, but I also have a big jacket at home, a big thing. Instantly, I put it on, it's like 40 extra pounds. Uh, yeah, goose down. Serious goose down. 20 gooses down on the inside. <laughs> and I walk around like this, you know. I could hardly do anything. Just go forward and back, you know. But yet I go out there. It doesn't make a difference. The storm could be blasting and I'm all right. But I I'm ready for storm. Storms sometimes can be violent. So you have to be ready in your spiritual ammo. Sometimes you call at 3 in the morning and pastor doesn't pick up. Most likely, pastor won't pick up at 3 in the morning. 
But you, you have to be ready for the violent assault. You have to be always ready. In the Old Testament, they used to have, in one hand, they used to have a weapon, and in the other hand, uh, you know, a working weapon. Something to work and build a wall. Another thing to slice their enemy just in came. We have to be the same way in the spirit. I don't let down my guard in the spirit. All, all, all day I'm, I'm with God and, you know, I'm with people. I'm doing business and I'm, you know, okay, Holy Spirit, what do I do in this situation? Praying in the Holy Ghost or asking God for wisdom. Uh, I see a problem. A, a person comes in, just a nasty person. I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I lose the spirit of peace on that person. You know, I'm, I'm loosing, I'm binding, you know. So I'm using my spiritual ammo, my weapon, the weapons of warfare. Praise God. They use violence, I'll, I'll use peace. Or sometimes God will give me a word, uh, just a good word. I'll shut them down, a word of wisdom. Praise God. And that's, that's active all the time. See, the Spirit of God will manifest according to the need. Some will say, well, well I have a gift of teaching. No, no. You have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit has all the gifts. So sometimes he'll flow through you in teaching, but other times it might be a word of wisdom that might come forth. It, it, another time you lay hands on the sick, the Spirit of God might bring healing at that moment. There, there are those that are called, they have uh, titles, maybe the title of the prophet, title of the apostle, title of the pastor, but the Holy Spirit is not limited. So the Holy Spirit in you can manifest what you need at that moment. So say to your neighbor, the Holy Spirit's in you, so the power's in you, and the wisdom is in you, and the healing is in you, and the authority is in you. Come on, give him some praise. Hallelujah. Another thing about it is storms have no conscience. They don't care. They're coming at everybody. Every Tom, Dick, and Harry, every Larry, Curly, and Moe, they're going to hit everybody. So you have to be ready. You can't be offended. The storm hits you. Oh, I'm so offended. It doesn't make a difference. It'll hit you again. It doesn't care. It's going to keep on hitting you. You need to know how to prepare against storm. So when storm comes, you're ready for it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Another thing about storms, storms can destroy in moments what it took years to create. So I come to this conclusion. I can't really fall in love, or at least too much love, with the things I have. Because what I have today, I might not have tomorrow. So I have to be like Paul, be content in whatever state I am. If I have plenty, praise God. If I have little, praise God. I remember a story when Jesus, he had been ministering to the people all day. And he was about ready to leave, but he noticed the people kept on following him. And it was dinner time, and they still hadn't eaten. And they were still after him. And he looks, he goes, guys, you have something to, to feed these people with? They go, uh, Jesus, uh, multitudes, can we say at least 5,000 men? And when you say 5,000 men, they're not even talking about the women and the children. So it's potentially fifteen to 20,000 people. So... Jesus goes, yeah, what's the problem? What do you have? Jesus, to feed these people would take a year of salary to buy enough stuff. And frankly, it's late. Just send them home. Uh, what do you have? He wanted to teach them something. That whether you have a lot or a little, there's always more than enough. So finally, they looked around and probably facetiously, they brought a little boy's lunch to him. I think that's facetious. I don't think that we're being serious. They say, okay, oh, we got a boy's lunch. Now I know we're going to feed. I know that was not their attitude. I'm putting myself in there. 
having their revelation, I would have gone to the, the, the boy and said, give me that. All right, Jesus, here's what we have. But then Jesus, he says, good, now you're going to feed them. So I would have gone, I would have, huh? Now, honestly, think about it. Five loaves and two fishes, or five fishes and two loaves? I don't know. <laughs> it wasn't enough. I don't care. You could have said 20 fishes and 30 loaves. It's not enough to feed a multitude. But see, it was an exaggerated example, and Jesus made it exaggerated on purpose because he wanted to show them and teach them that even a, a little is more than enough. And so he sits everybody down in groups of 50, looks at his disciples. Okay, guys, now as I start giving you the food, you start passing it. Passing it to everybody. I'm, I, I'm putting myself there. I'm one of the disciples now. Yeah, so what are you going to do? You're going to go. One. Two. What are you going to do? Come on, be serious here. Jesus has lost it now. Right? No. He started. Mm, here. And he started handing. And they started. And they're going, wait, what in the world? And it just kept on coming. It kept on coming to the point where all of these people ate. And on purpose, God wanted to show that he's the God of more than enough. Twelve baskets full of food. On top of everybody having ate, and then the Bible says, having been satisfied. Amen. I know some of you were involved. You guys don't just eat, you eat seconds too. <laughs> some of you like them seconds. So, yeah. <laughs> everybody was satisfied. <laughs> so, storms can destroy in moments what it took years to create. So we cannot love things. We have to love people. And, and whenever you actually lose something, you don't really lose it. Because whatever the enemy takes from you, in the Old Testament, there's a law. He says whatever he takes, he has to restore. And, and Jesus said, even if we lose something as we're serving God, as we're, as we're doing our best and we're still being generous, and we lose something, God will give it back to us 100-fold. In other words, he's a God of more than enough. Now, you might not get it back the way you think, but it will always be in greater measure, and it eventually will come back. The enemy has to release it. But, but we have to continue to stand trusting him. Because if we get on our own, we ourselves don't have that resource. It's his resource. He is the vine we are the branches. The branches in and of themselves don't have that life-giving essence. But their connection to the vine allows them to draw from that life-giving essence. As a branch disconnected from the vine, you'd be dead. You will not bear fruit. But connected to the vine, now you're connected to eternity. You're connected to an unlimited flow of wisdom, of resource, of divine favor. Give me a million dollars or give me God's favor. I'll take God's favor. Because a moment of favor can restore from, 
for me everything that the enemy took in years past. And not only that, I believe, and it has to be for this season, that God is accelerating everything. Everything is being accelerated. I don't know know about you, but it just seems that the time is going faster. Things are going faster. Shifts are happening quicker and quicker. But in the same way, God is restoring to you what the enemy took quicker. And I just got this in my spirit, and I'm going to say this. So you take it for whoever it belongs to. There are things that the enemy stole from your lineage. Your father and mother lost things. Your grandmother had something and somehow or another didn't pass on. The enemy stopped it and took it. But I want to declare today that the Lord is going to restore to you and your lineage what the enemy stole in a past lineage. Hallelujah. Somebody's got to take that. This belongs to somebody here today. Hallelujah. You think it's no longer going to be for me? Yes, it's for you. It might have passed a generation, but you're the man and you're the woman that by faith you're going to apprehend the promises of God and it's going to be restored to you. Glory to God. And you need it because your children need it. Your grandchildren need it. Your community needs it. Your church needs it. So get ready to start apprehending the things that God has for you in this day. Hallelujah. Storms will come to all. In the book of Matthew, chapter 7, it says that, and Jesus made it very clear, he says, those who hear my words and do them is similar to a person that builds on the rock. The storms of life will come, the winds will blow, but that house will remain standing. And it's talking about a person who has a personal, intimate, strong relationship with Almighty God and His Word. He's not saying that because you uh, uh, stand on the word, the storm will come. No, he says storms come to all. And make no mistake about it, the storms are blowing. I was talking, actually, no, I wasn't talking. I was just rehearsing and remembering um, some conversations we had with the prophetic company uh, here in the United States and some international prophets that had spoken in the year 2008. Um, They had spoken about and and they, they were saying the Lord was showing that the United States was going to become very polarized at around 2011, 2012. Also, one of the prophets had spoken of, of a storm that was going to hit the, the, the northeast region and that Atlantic City would be uh, underwater, that the boardwalks would be underwater. <clears throat> I said, when that storm comes, the greater polarization is going to take place and also it's going to be a financial storm that's going to hit. And it's, it's just these things that are going to happen. Rehearsing the word is remembering it, reading it, and listening to it again. So, whoa, did it hit and did it hit hard? <laughs> My God. So, this is, yes, yeah, a change in course. So, God is speaking to his people get ready because even though these polarizations are taking place, they're taking place because there are established principalities and powers over the United States that mean to harm. The United States. They mean to destroy the United States. They mean to bind up and captivate the people of the United States. So God is seeing uh, the, these networks come together and take place to try to destroy our freedom, to try to, to dissuade people from serving God, to push them away from God. But God is speaking to his people and saying, don't get fooled by that. When it happens, understand why, and you have the greater authority. 
So that's the time not only just to intercede, but intercede and act. Intercede and come together. God uh, showed this group of prophets in the year 2008 that there would be companies, and they call it the triumphant reserve. A people of God that would not be dissuaded, that would not be backed down, but on the contrary, they would increase their prayer, their intercession, and then their activation of ministry in their communities. And God already saw those things forming back then. So I believe we're part of that. I believe we're part of that. We have been praying with groups in this city, and we will continue. And I just spoke with one of them, one of the leaders, earlier this week, and I mean, it's amazing how they're thinking. We're thinking very similarly. So it is our, it's, it's on our watch now that we have the authority to turn this thing around and to allow the light to shine through the church because the light shines through the church. The word of the Lord shines through the church. The wisdom of God flows through the church. We are the body of Christ. The voice of the Lord cries out through the church. Praise God. So this is the time where I believe that there's going to be an increase in the anointing, an increase in the passion, but there's also going to be an increase of the polarization. So people are going to criticize you more for your stand in Christ. But those very people that criticize you when they go through a crisis, who do you think they're going to go to for prayer? Amen. So you need to stand, stand strong, stand in your witness. Don't let anybody deter you. Don't let, any, don't let anybody put you down. Because the bottom line is the world needs you more than ever before. The power of God is going to flow through us like never before. So when they hate you, don't worry. It's the spirit of God that they hate. Because you're representing him. But thank God for the love of God that will flow through you. We need to be like the wise virgins. The wise virgins in the Old Testament, or rather when Jesus spoke about a... He was basically talking about his coming and about... He said five, there were five wise virgins and five foolish virgins. You can find that story in Matthew chapter 24, verse 1 on. And he said that the foolish virgins didn't prepare for his coming. But the wise virgins went and they bought oil for their candles so that when they would travel from their home to the king's home, they would be able to find their way. But the king did not tell them when he was returning. So all the while they were getting ready. They were flowing with the program. They were getting their oil ready, a good reserve of oil. And suddenly, the king called. He said, okay, come to me now. The foolish virgin says, oh, we weren't ready. And oil in, in the, the Bible is one of the names that the Holy Spirit is, is the oil of the Lord. It's, it's, it's like an oil. And you would think that these women would get ready. But, you know, half of the church isn't ready either. Half of the church isn't praying. Half of the church isn't seeking God. Half of the church has no relationship with Almighty God. They call themselves Christians. But they're not really being Christians. The word Christian, Christ follower. We're just a, a numb. We're walking around like, you know, how's everything? Hey, same old, same old. No purpose, no life, no vision. This is not the time to be like that. It's time to be seeking God. It's time to be looking up to heaven and say, Lord, give me your wisdom on a daily basis. It's time to have a personal, deep relationship with Almighty God. Thank God that Daddy had a relationship with God and Mommy had a relationship with God. But you need your own relationship with Almighty God. You need your own relationship. Hallelujah. So I was saying earlier that 
We are a Joseph ministry, a ministry that sees ahead, prepares, not just for us. A Joseph ministry is a very selfless ministry. It's a ministry that doesn't think only about itself. And I'm sorry to say, many Christians out there only think about themselves. There's no concern for their fellow man. They've waxed cold. And that's unfortunately because part of the fruit of the Spirit is love. So if the Spirit of God is flowing through you, love is flowing through you. Yes, they're a mess, but you still love them because God loves them. Yes, they don't deserve it, but you still bless them because God loves them. And by the way, when you were all messed up, God loved you too. So we have to have enough love to love others like God loved us when we needed the love of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. So when, when, when Jesus fed all of these people, it's interesting because he said, you guys feed them. You guys. So he gave, he blessed it, and he gave them to their hands. So there's coming a day, and I believe the day is now, that God is telling us, be prepared for all manner of ministry. Thank God for Sunday school ministry. Thank God for Sunday, Sunday service. But now, thank God for Monday ministry, Tuesday ministry, Wednesday ministry, Thursday ministry, Friday ministry. Saturday ministry. Praise God. Thank God for seven-day ministry. Thank God for each and every one of you. You're looking outside of your comfort zone. The Joseph ministry is a ministry that gets out of its comfort zone. And part of our, our, I guess, our challenge is that most jobs are Monday to Friday jobs or Tuesday to Saturday jobs, right? Or five-hour jobs, five-day jobs, 40-hour week jobs, or 45. So we learn to think 40 hours a week. Same thing in church. We learn to think Churches, how much? Okay, fine, I'll serve God. All right, fine. Sundays, two hours. But sometimes pastor talks too long, so it's two hours and a half. And then sometimes Natalie and the worship team, they just, just go three hours. All right, so okay, three hours. Okay, so I got to serve God three hours. And then once a month, we got to come together, pray one or two hours. Five hours. Okay, five hours. I can give five hours. And that's all we think. God's not thinking that way. Jesus didn't die on the cross to say, okay. I got two more hours of this. If it's one hour, one moment above nine hours, that's it. I'm off. They're going to have to wait till next week for me to finish the job. No, he gave it all. He didn't think 40 hours. We have to stop that. Stop thinking that, well, you know, it's not my time now. I'm off. No, you're always on. Tell, tell, tell your neighbor, Christians are always on. We're always active. And you know, the anointing, the anointing doesn't care that it's like 3 o'clock in the afternoon or 3 o'clock in the morning. When the anointing wants to flow, the anointing says, okay, vessel, it's time to flow. There's a need, and the need is now. You understand? So we have to be ready, and actually Paul said it this way, in season and out of season. In other words, in every season, we have to be ready. So say to never get ready, because God's going to use you. In season and out of season. Hallelujah. Come on, give him some praise. <laughs> Joseph ministries, in the storm, they're good because they prepared when everybody else was going about their business. Totally ignorant. When I'm walking the streets now, I see the people doing their stuff and I'm looking around. Ay, bendito. Ay, bendito. Ay, ay, ay. They don't know, they don't know, they don't know. See, but... It's almost like your eyes have been opened up. It's almost like the matrix. I, I, which, which pill was it? 
the blue pill is what? The blue pill is sleeping, and the red pill wake you up, right? You see how far uh, the hole goes, they said? It's almost like we took the red pill, and suddenly, ding, wow, yeah, wow, this is not so good. Think about it. The Spirit of God opens up your eyes, and you start seeing, oh, my God, things aren't as good as we thought. They've done been lying to us. And sometimes they have to because if you, if you take a lot of people, hordes of people, and you make it too scary, they go crazy. And they run into each other and they kill each other. Really, it's just people are funny that way. I, I, was, I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do this just briefly, just briefly. Because I want, I want to just give you, paint you a true picture of what's going on. And uh, beings that you gave me a nice gift called an iPad. I can access some things that heretofore I was not able to access. Listen to this. This is a, a study that was done, regardless of who was going to come out as president. So much has been said about the fiscal cliff coming at the end of the year, when tax cuts are set to expire and automatic spending cuts begin. But that pales in comparison to the entitlement cliff looming on the country in the coming years, a new report warns. And this is not the only report. It's just that we won't read. So say with me, leaders are readers. You better start reading and doing your research because things are not all that good. Okay, so what's an entitlement? It's anything that you get from the government. And many of these entitlements are good. People need them. But, like I said before, if you have a $5,000 credit card limit and you have $6,000 worth of need, what does that mean? Huh? It means it's beyond your means. So you do one of two things. Either you cut and you basically get a little less of something or you get another credit card. So what the United States has been doing for quite a while is instead of cutting or addressing it in such a way where you deal with some of the waste, because there's always waste in every program, especially when you're dealing with millions of people, there's, there's always waste somewhere. So you can get it back somehow, or at least a portion of it. Or just keep on getting more credit. So here's what we have right now. A number of the, these programs have grown substantially since 2008. Medicaid has grown from 46.9 million recipients to 56 million. That means people that are getting medical without having to pay for it. But that doesn't mean it's free. The government pays. All right. Disability beneficiaries have increased from 7.5 million to 8.8 million. And the food stamp program has grown from 32 million beneficiaries to 47 million beneficiaries. All told, more than 120 million Americans receive entitlements of some kind. According to the Institute, a Texas-based think tank, Add to this an estimated 16 million new Medicaid beneficiaries resulting in the new Obamacare because what's, what Obamacare is doing is allowing an average of 12 to 15 million people to be added, people that weren't before on the rolls. Again, they'll get free care, but it's coming from somewhere. All right. I'm not criticizing the program or anything. I'm just saying this is a fact. The problem is that it'll only get worse in the coming years. Since 1980, Medicaid and Medicare have grown to more than 9% annually, and an estimated 77 million baby boomers are beginning to retire and collect Social Security. 
At the same time, the pool of workers who pay for these programs is not growing. The Tax Policy Center reports that only 53% of households now pay both income and payroll taxes. The Institute observes attempting to collect enough money to sustain this level of entitlement spending will only result in a reduction of work effort, reducing unemployment opportunities, and more people moving into entitlements. And here's the problem. It's already happening in Greece. It's already happening in Spain. The money ran out over there. The people who had pensions, who worked 30 and 40 years, right now are not getting their pensions. For years, they've been getting these entitlements, many people living uh, off the government. Now, again, some people have to, you know, I, I understand that. But, again, there's a lot of waste. But here's the problem. Every year, you got more people retiring, more people retiring. Where is all that money going to come from? So here's what I have to say. We as Joseph people, we have to have wisdom. And we cannot think, well, in another 20, 30 years, I'll retire, I'll get my pension. There might not be a pension in five years. No problem, I'll just collect if I don't have a job. Right now, as of the year 2013, the amount of time that they allow you to collect is going to be cut down. And a lot of other things that we don't know because Channel 7 Eyewitness News is not telling you this. So I'm saying this to you. You need to operate in the wisdom of God. There's more than enough out there. It just has to, we just need the wisdom to know where the pockets of provision are. And we now have to get provision for us and find out the provision for others to give them the wisdom that they need. Because in many cases, they don't know how to. In many cases, they don't know where the connections are, where the jobs are, where the provision is, where the training is. We have to be able to get that for us and for others too. I think only two people like that right now. The message was good until five minutes ago when I started dealing with this, when I started touching this hot-button topic. But if I don't share it with you, Channel 7 is not going to share this with you. The truth of the matter is you can't depend on the government. You can't depend on a man to save you and take care of you. Sooner or later, this thing is going to be cut. And when it gets cut, there are going to be riots in the street. Why? Because people are so used to it, they have become slaves to it that they don't know any other way. So you're going to be one of the ones in the streets, I want mine, give me mine, give me mine. It was never yours. It was always an entitlement. And then what about the people that legitimately need it? That's where the church comes in. See, I'm not going to take care of a healthy man who's at home just taking some money from the government who really can be working. But if a lady with children, single lady with children needs, that's what we're there for. We'll help them, we'll bless them, we'll carry them until they can get their mess together and reboot whatever they need to do. But the truth of the matter is, this has to be dealt with. But the way the church deals with it is we get ready. We become a Joseph ministry. Because in the coming days, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be shocked. Oh, my God, I didn't know what was happening. But you do. So first and foremost, you'll stop depending on City Card. You'll stop depending on MasterCard. You'll stop depending on Discover. And this thing, you deserve a break today? No, we don't deserve a break. We need to work hard. We need to earn everything. And we need to put a surplus away. I don't make enough. Yes, you do. Just stop drinking coffee in Starbucks. 
Get some good Bustelo. Make your own coffee. It's better anyway. You ever heard of brown bagging it to work? It's time to get back to the brown bag. Uh, you know, this Starbucks thing, uh, give me a tea, a simple tea. We don't have simple tea. Well, what, what do you have, you know? They have this really ultra-extravagant, awesome, you know, hyper, high, highfalutin tea. So I, I bought some of their highfalutin tea. And they have, I don't know, some gold-laced milk. So I put the tea bag and the gold-laced milk. And some sugar that comes from, you know, I don't know. From the hills of some fancy place. I don't know. From Malibu. Malibu sugar. I'm ready. I'm ready to be blown away by this awesome tea. Give me a Lipton. Fancy. Lipton. Lipton tastes better. Yes. Thank you, sir. Lipton, I get a whole box for like $3. I got 100 Lipton bags for $3. The water cost me nothing. The milk, uh, what, $3 a gallon or what? How much is it now? $4 a gallon. But that, I, could, I could get 30 teas. Because all you do is the milk, you go, that's it. So I, I pass by uh, that, that place, you know, fancy place. I go, and I keep on walking. I keep the money in here because I'm investing my money. I'm putting away some glory to God. I need to be able to look at my habits because many times we're in debt, not because we don't have, but because we have not been wise. We've been acting like the foolish virgins. But it's time you stop being a foolish virgin and become a wise virgin. You know, and don't, don't mess with that thing. That's just what the Bible says. Foolish virgins because they had not been married yet to the king. Okay, so let's be real here. But in other words, we've been acting foolish with our finances. It's time to be smart. And some of you young kids, you're going to be smarter than some of the old people, you know. And you're going to become millionaires by age 30, right? And But meanwhile, you're going to be Joseph people and givers in the kingdom of God. And meanwhile, the people 40 and 50 years old, they just woke up now. And they don't have enough time now to save enough money because they're not going to get a pension that they think they're going to get. No, no go watch, right, exactly, no go watch. So what I'm saying, storms come, but get ready for storm. Because if you're ready for storm, it'll come, it'll blow, it'll do whatever it needs to do, but your house will still be standing. And that word house there is not talking about a building, it's talking about your life. It's talking about your journey with God. It's talking about your ministry. It'll still stand. It'll blow, but anything that can be blown away, you can get it again. Hallelujah. Those people in Staten Island, how many of them I heard? Yeah, I lost everything, but I'm happy I'm alive. I can get some of these things back, but, you know, I'm happy I'm alive. I'm happy my children are alive. I'm happy my, my family's alive. You can get the stuff back. Has the, has the enemy taken anything from you? Yeah, he's taken from me too, but he has to give it all back with interest. Glory to God. Has he taken anything from your lineage? Has he taken anything from your past generations? Well, he's got to restore it. And I believe that the wisdom of God is connected to those, or rather, it's going to be given to those that are connected to the vine, connected to Almighty God, that are allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to them through his word 
Amen. And by relationship, and you're going to find ways of provision that you did not know before. But the Spirit of God is showing it to his men and women. The Spirit of God is showing where the provision is. Hallelujah. So are you ready for that? I'm not, I don't want to just endure in the storm. I want to thrive in the storm. I want to be at peace in the storm because I know everything is taken care of. I want to be like Jesus sleeping in the midst of the storm. See, peace is not the absence of storms. It's, it's peace and, and being at peace in the midst of a storm. It's not the absence of problems, not the absence of issues. It's peace in spite of everything that goes around you. Why? Because you have a different revelation. I'm not trying to worry you. I'm trying to let you know you're, son, you're a son and daughter of the king. You're a son and daughter of the one who's the owner of all the gold and the silver. So if, if one way of provision stops, that means another way of provision is coming forth. When one door closes, seven doors open. I'm looking for the seven doors of revelation in the coming days. I'm looking for the wisdom of God. I'm listening to the wisdom of God while everybody's walking around, you know. Uh, Gwen, what was that movie we saw? Um, where there were the zombies? Where's the... Oh, yeah, yeah. The mummy. And they're walking. Emotem. 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 They're just walking like zombies. I see it in the morning, you know, people. Emotem. You know, they... <laughs> People walking like zombies. They don't know where they're going. No vision. Uh, they're just not thinking. So you, I feel like going right on Madison Avenue. You go, wake up! That's right. Well, they're going to wake up one by one as you and I share the word of the Lord with them. Pray for them. You have influence in, the play, in your place. So start praying for them. Start speaking to them. And gently go to them and say, wake up. Jesus is your hope. He is with you. Get connected to him. Because when you get connected to him, you connect to the eternal. 